Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR Head of HR, Lisa Lindsay, Phil Piper, Founder and CEO, and Vanessa Brulot, Bamboo HR Human Resource Business Partner, discuss tips and tricks for small HR teams. By the end of the podcast, you will learn why small HR teams face a different set of challenges, the top three mistakes most small HR teams make, the top three best practices for small HR teams. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. We have an exciting guest today for our episode of HR Unplugged. I will say Lisa is amazing. I'd like to welcome Lisa Lindsay, PHR, the founder and CEO of Peel Piper. Welcome, Lisa. Can you give our audience a quick introduction? Yes, absolutely. I, I love it so far. I'm like energized. But yes, I'm Lisa Lindsay. I'm a lead consultant and a coach on Peel Piper, the company that I founded. So it's me and a couple of other consultants. Um, so just a little background on me. I fell into HR. I know a lot of us say we fell into HR and I literally did. Um, I was an assistant and then I got a job as a recruiting coordinator at the Home Depot because it was a lot administrative. Loved it and worked my way up, spending a lot of time in the legal industry. Then I like to say I chose HR, right? So I went back to school as a working adult and um, got my bachelor's and my master's, which were all HR-focused um, um, studies. So that's that's my experience. Um, and in my last internal role, um, oftentimes in my career, I've been the only professional in the organization, only HR person, big and small organizations. But my last internal role was the first time where I was able to have an actual team. It was three of three people, myself. One of those people was a part-time consultant. So it was fantastic, right? We still did not have enough time to get everything done. <laughs> so, and I love consulting because it allows me to travel. So right now I'm in the Caribbean. So um, don't be jealous. We're, we are jealous. We are. Yes. <laughs> we're very jealous. Well, we're so happy to have you join us today, Lisa. I'm excited to hear your advice for our audience today on what small HR teams can do to be more efficient. So let's get started. Anita, let's start with you. Help us kick off the discussion about what we consider a small HR team looks like. So there's some data around this, and we think it's in the range of one to three people, but there's also a lot of information out there that can be a little bit confusing on how many HR people they actually need for the business. So here's a statistic I'll put in the chat. Average HR to staff ratio is 2.57. The average ratio goes up to 3.4 for small organizations and down to one for medium and large organizations. So I think that's wonky. We talked about this in our pre-show. I don't really get it. Um, I disregard the ratios and look at the outcomes. And that's where Lisa and Vanessa and I really see eye to eye. We want to look at what we want to deliver, right? That's one of the biggest things that we need to get clear on and build technology or teams or processes that scale that allow for you to do what you need to do. I know a lot of early you know, founders or earlier stage companies look at these ratios, but I think that there's more to do here. And I think Lisa it would be great to share you share your perspective on this. Yeah. So, so, so generally I think that what I've seen is startups and certain organizations that are a little bit more people focused or culture focused um, tend to want to hire HR. So tech companies tend to fall into that category. Me. So again, I talked about my cybersecurity uh, job, which was the first place I was able to get 
staff um, because that was the that was our goal. That's what we were trying to do, right? We wanted to have career paths. We wanted people to be able to see, you know. So we 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 had a lot of work, a lot of outcomes that were coming um, our way. So. So that's that's those are the types of companies that I see who are a little bit more willing to hire HR folks from the beginning or rather quickly. But, um, you know, it's hard because, again, really, it's the outcomes. What are we trying to do? Um, and what are we trying to deliver? It's not always easy to for a company to justify that spend. It can be expensive. It can be easily 60000 80000 depending on how senior person is, we're talking six figures, they may not have the ability to spend that money. So we really want to make sure that if the workload isn't there, that you choose a different option. And sometimes that option might be a consultant, uh, somebody to come in and help you set up and then, you know, train your managers, have them run with it. So there's plenty of options. The other thing too, Lisa, I don't know if this um, runs into your territory, but oftentimes when I've interviewed with startups, uh, they're like, we need an HR person. I'm like, great. What's the work you're going to do? And they're like hiring. And I'm like, oh, you need a recruiter. You need yes. a recruiter. And so I think really differentiating what they need and when they need it is so important. What are your thoughts there? I tend to agree with that. And that goes to a sort of thought that I generally have around people not really knowing what we do and recognizing that there's so many uh, disciplines, let's call it, within the function, there's so much other stuff going on, right? So if you need a recruiter and you want somebody to help you recruit and get talent in, that's great. That's You are going to need an HR person because you're hiring all that talent. We got to manage them. <laughs> we got to grow them. We got to get the best performance out of them. So there's lots to do. But yes, having that conversation, I think you're absolutely right. 100% upfront. Well, if you were going to put together a checklist on what businesses should look at to see if they need to hire another HR person, what would be included in that? Anita? Okay, so we had so much fun with this question. But the number one thing that you want to ask in an interview or starting your job, or even if you're in your job, if you haven't asked these questions, ask these questions. What are the problems that we're trying to solve? I think as HR people, and everybody knows I've got a hot button around this, we're so eager to please, like, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And we rarely ask, what problem am I solving? What is the core issue that we want to get to? And who's voicing these problems? Like we all know in this function, we hear from the 10% of people who are miserable. I want to focus on solutions that drive for the majority, not the minority. So really using data to figure out what type of a problem this is and how many people have it. How much time am I spending on HR-related tasks? And do those include employee-facing interactions that would require an in-house team member? Where is everyone in my business located? Like your geo strategy is really critical in how you service. Are you in office? Are you remote? Are you in the field? What are you doing? And how strong are your leaders? If your leaders aren't strong, you're going to have a bigger headache in the people function. So what is the aptitude and capacity of your leaders? And are they really coaching and training and developing the future leaders? So what is your growth rate as a business? Are you hiring hundreds of people, you know, every month? And so those are some questions that I think could really help. 
Well, and one thing that you had said was uh, like having intention around the day-to-day work because you can get really, it can be easy to get into the tactical and not the strategy and just being the yes person. And you're doing a lot of really great work, but is it really driving the outcomes that you're you're striving to achieve because you haven't really figured out that core problem? And I think that that's a really important call out from what you just said. Yeah, for sure. You know, Lisa, I'm curious your thoughts and what you see with all of your customers, but it just seems like identifying what the real issue is seems to be a skill set that we can grow. Yeah, I tend to agree with that because um, we come in and the easy place to go to is the day-to-day, right? It's getting people paid, taking care of paperwork, all those kinds of things. But what is the company trying to accomplish? And not just accomplish in terms of our business, accomplish in terms of our people. How do we want people to support the business that we're in? Employ that intellectual capital, right? What are we doing? So, So I agree, understanding what outcome we're trying to get to is probably your first job as an HR professional. Because here's what, the payroll piece is going to happen, right? That's going to happen. The people are going to get paid. People are going to get their benefits. You you know what? We're well-versed in how to do that. This other stuff is more critical. And that's where the business, that's where the business turns. Well, I think you, you both are right here. So many people have such varied opinions on when businesses should build out their HR teams. So this is really helpful. Let's move on to our next section. What are the challenges that small HR teams face that larger teams often don't face? Lisa, can you start us off? Yeah. So we talked about the not having enough time, right? And that is, of course, true. But also recognizing that it might be size agnostic, that there's never enough time. But for me, one of the things that I find that when you're in an organization is that you don't have enough support. You don't have support from leadership. And um, that to me is critical. So we talked a little bit before about how they don't understand it. It's not an us versus them kind of thing. But to me, I've, I've been in countless organizations where CEOs don't quite understand what we're trying to do. And if they don't understand the work that we're doing and the outcome that we're trying to drive, and they just think, well, we're going to help them recruit, or we're going to help them get people paid, or we're going to help them get people, people their benefits, and don't understand that there's a larger focus here to the work that we're doing, then that's a problem because you're never going to get the support to do the work that you need to do. But piece for me is there's a diversity aspect to it, right? So in my um, world, in my experience, being a Black woman in HR is really, really difficult because there is something about the work that is quite authoritative, right? Um, I talk about there's a slight policing aspect to it. There's, there's this telling people what to do. And generally, people don't like to be told what to do. And people don't like to be told what to do in general. And they definitely don't want to be told what to do by a Black woman, right? So, um, so that's another piece of it. So again, having leadership support is critical right, Um, to just being successful. And that can make the day-to-day work really, really hard, Um, you know, on top of all the work that's coming out, like that that fire hose that shoots at you when you walk in to work in the morning. Well, Lisa, how do you recommend our listeners avoid these challenges? Well, okay, so then let's start with the, let's start with the simple. 
right? Before you take a job, right? Interview your CEO, understand who they are. Um, don't take a job unless it reports to the CEO and then understand who that CEO is, how they think about HR. Do they understand the work that needs to be done? How are they going to accomplish the work and how do they need people to do that? What is their philosophy around that? All of that is really important. And a lot of times we hesitate to do that because we think, okay, we're in an organization, they want me. So we feel like we have to impress them. Well, here's what, impress you too. They have to impress you too, because you know who's going to be doing the work on a day-to-day basis? You are, right? So that leadership team, that CEO needs to impress you. So step into, recognize that you have that power and that ability and ask for it. Ask questions. Don't tie, Mary, don't tie yourself to a job without doing your due diligence because they're doing their due diligence by interviewing you. And then the second piece of that is if you're already in, that's okay, right? Get support while you're in right? Do what you need to do to take care of yourself, get support. So if that's, you know, if that's finding a consultant, finding, getting additional staff, getting technology, whatever, get support. Also, really, if you need to get out because the situation is so bad, especially if you're in a situation where you might think there's some not so good stuff going on here, get out, make a plan to get out, right? But there is, you have options, you have options, but take the power in your hand before you enter into a situation in the first place. This is so, yes, no, no, it's just, yes. <laughs> and there, there's a couple of comment questions in here that I wanted to tie back in before we keep moving forward that I think are really good questions is what if, what about reporting to the C- CFO? And then number two is what interview questions should HR people ask the CEO or CFO before going in? Mm, all right. Do you want me to take that? So I, I wish I wish I could find that there's a little graphic that I've seen throughout time where it talked about depending on where HR is reporting, it tells you what the priorities of that organization are, right? And if you're reporting to the CFO, that then tends to, they think of people as cost and not necessarily as a benefit to the organization. And to me, that is the first place. That's the, that's the red flag for me. If it's reporting to the CFO, I'm out. I, I cannot do it. They might do a COO. Maybe. I got to work really hard for me to get to be okay with reporting with a COO. But the CFO tells me everything I need to know about how you think about your people in your organization. And I personally don't want to drive that culture. I do not want to drive that, where I'm always having to fight for every little penny. Now, don't don't get me wrong, not every CFOs get it, right? And they understand, and they're not just, quote, unquote, I'm sorry if this is disparaging bean potters, right? Um, but CFOs get it. And this is where your questions come in because you ultimately have to make that choice for yourself. So, um, but me personally, the answer is no. (laughs) It is not happening. In terms of questions, it's really about what it's the same questions. What are your goals? What are you trying to do here? What do you want to accomplish? What, What are you trying to accomplish? What do you need me for? 
How are you going to support me? Ask that question. Yeah. Right? When I want to put a big initiative into place or I come to, come to you with an idea and we make a business case, am I out here standing on my own? How have you done that in the past? Benita, I'm curious because you, you've had to interview a lot more than I have lately. So I'm just curious <laughs> if you have some thoughts about some questions that you would ask. Well, can we just go back to it's an authoritative role and being a black woman, a Hispanic woman, a woman woman is challenging in this job. Like, I just think we're not giving that enough attention. I mean, the chat is just on fire, but how I just I really want to help this team. And Lisa, what do you do to help be authoritative in our prep call? You talked a lot about being in your power. And how do you move and influence across when you have all of these things working against you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's fascinating, right? Because I think, think that this is where the hard work of figuring out how to level up and be a true HR professional um, really comes from. This is the hard work. So first of all, we talk about outcomes a lot. The same thing is true for persuading and influencing, right? Um, this is all about what am I trying to accomplish here? Yeah. Then the second piece is, who am I trying to persuade? How does this person, um, how are they convinced by things, <laughs> right? Because some people, I'm a very data focused person. So if you want to convince me of something, bring me the data, show me the thing. And I'm with you. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. People in the world who, who, want to be cajoled that they want they're they're emotional people right they want you to appeal to their heart <laughs> and are you, like do you have the information to appeal to their heart some people are just like okay gut instinct and you gave me this information do you know who you're trying to to who are you trying to persuade what are you trying to persuade them to do what outcome do you want to get to all right then yeah go ahead Anita <laughs> Well, the other thing I noticed with some true like HR pros is they fight every battle. And I think it's through that experience that our peer leaders kind of push us out. So like I really pick my battles. I really choose what I'm going to go to the mat for um, because if leaders experience me going to the mat on every topic and they experience me as judgmental and like they're doing something wrong, they're going to block me out. And so, you know, what's your advice there? How have you experienced that? And do you, do you think that's the best way to do it? Well, I agree with you. What's really, really important, right? I, oh, I love that. 100% agree with that. Don't, every battle is not worth it. Sometimes it's okay. And I think it depends on our personality. Some of us, we just want to win. So what's really the most important? What do you have to stand up for? Yeah, because I think if we want to win, we're going to push the wrong direction. Like I see this all the time. You know, I want this. I think L&D is important. I think diversity is important, all of that. But are you picking your own pet rock or are you picking what works for the organization? And yes. that's Yes, yes. There are some things that are fundamentally going to be important, right? That are just always going to be important. We want to be 
We want to be doing things the right way. We want to be doing things perfectly. We want to be right. Like we want to do those things. That's like a floor for me. Right. So I'm going to fight that battle every time. Legality. We're fighting that battle every time. I'm not doing anything illegal. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not, not going to jail. We get past that. Right. Again, I go back to, I just love that we talk about outcomes here. What are we trying to accomplish? What is the business trying to accomplish? Is this battle worth it? And is it worth it today? for us to fight it today. Do we have to fight it today? Can I maybe push the L&D down the road in favor of something else? Because this is more important and it's more supportive to the business. That's where we come in, right? We have to do that thought process. And I, I love the point you're making about your peer leaders are going to push you up. They want to hear that whining. They don't. Well, they don't want to they really don't. Right. I don't want to feel like I'm in detention all the time. And so it is a tough balance, but I love, I love this question here. It's so frustrating that my CEO is bringing in an HR consultant for nine months to tell them what I've been paying for this plane or what I've been saying for the past 16 months. Like Lisa, I'm so curious your take on this because you must be seeing this all the time and the great work that you do. Yeah. So let me talk about it from like personal experience, <laughs> right? So Having been internal to an, to many organizations where I just feel like I am beating my head against just like bang, bang, right? And um, part of the reason why I like to consult and coach and do this outside of organizations is because I feel like there's something different about the respect piece. There's something about being an employee means you don't get respected in the HR space. Sometimes everywhere, this is, this is, a, this is my experience. So to me, we don't get listened to. It goes back to my whole diversity thing at the very beginning, right? Like that authority for whatever reason, which is why being able to persuade is important and doing so effectively is important. And sometimes you're just not going to get heard. And that is just heavily unfortunate. But there is something about and I haven't figured it out because I haven't done too much thought around it, but there is something about, I feel like as a consultant, I get a lot more respect when I walk into organizations because people are saying, you're an expert and I am paying you to do this thing and must know what I'm you are doing. Somehow being an employee, it's, I, I, whoever that was, I empathize with you dearly because I feel your pain. I have been there. I have been there and it must feel really frustrating to have somebody else come in and probably take that shine. But I would say this, work with that person, right? They are going to need you. So there's an opportunity here for you too. Okay, so you know we're a big fan of truth bombs on this. And so when my team comes and says, I don't feel like they're listening to me, I, I, I'm sorry, I've got to say it. It's our fault. It's our fault. It's on us. So if our teams and our leaders are not listening to us, what I share with our team is we've got to find a different way. We've got to find a different way that's more compelling. It's not about them, right? We have to make the business case. We have to use the data. And then I've had many conversations, Lisa, I'm sure you have too, where you just go to the CEO and say, hey, you leave me with the experience that you value external consultants' opinions more than mine. What could I do? to have you hear me like you hear them because it's really disengaging for me. And as your people leader, I don't wanna be disengaging. I really wanna grow. Can you help me grow? 
And I guarantee you, there's no person that's going to say no to that ask. So Lisa, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I can't imagine that someone won't respond to that because now I want to respond to that, right? I'm like, oh, sorry, Anita. I did not mean to make you feel that way. Explain to you why I chose to do this HR, <laughs> right? Like I, I want it so badly. Um, but in all seriousness, I agree, you know, it is on us. And that's what, why I started with, what outcome do you want to, to, to accomplish? And you want to influence because if they're hearing you, you're not talking, you're not speaking their language. They are not, if they speak data, give them data. If they speak heart, give them heart. If they speak, we have to figure out how to communicate with them, how to get them to hear us. And yes, if all else fails, go be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. And again, if somebody doesn't respond the way I just responded to Anita's request, is that the right place for you? Maybe some different questions need to be asked. That's that's all because I need. I think one of one percent of the world are assholes. I don't think it's 99% of the world. And when people show up in a in a non-great way, I just think most of the time they just don't know the difference. And so if you want to be that trusted advisor, help them see what they're missing. There's great examples in the chat where they've had those conversations. People didn't realize what they were doing. And this is where you have to demonstrate what you need. If you go back and complain, like all of the rest of the employees were no better as people leaders. That's why this job is harder than any other freaking job out there. It takes more work. It's a lot of work. And you've got to navigate people who aren't the same every day. Or the same person is not the same person every day, every minute, right? And we're talking about, let's say small organization, we're talking about 150 of those every day that you've got to figure out how to navigate. Seven people on your leadership team. What? <laughs> like, it's hard. So you guys are doing great work. And I love the language that Bamboo HR uses for you. HR, you're heroes. <laughs> like to get up every day and do this work is heroic. But it's hard. <laughs> well, you've got to practice the therapy session, Anita. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, you know, that you've got to practice it because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, Vanessa, I'm curious your thoughts as you're newer in this space, you know, and what you've seen in it, but you've got to practice it because look, team, it doesn't get worse, right? It's already at the bottom of the barrel. So, so what if you're vulnerable and you ask some new questions, it's only going to get better, right? And you have this whole team of heroes in the Slack channel that are committed to helping you. And like, let's like reach out to Lisa, have her help you figure out where your power is, where your leverage is, practice these conversations with somebody that's behind you. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be honest around what you could do better or different to land the plane. Yeah. yeah and, and this is a good call out too, is that we, we mentioned it earlier, the HR can be very lonely. We need uh, to reach out to people like Lisa and and to each other and be that support group for one another because we're all going through very similar situations and and we have to be drivers of of ourselves and and initiate that that growth because sometimes we'll we'll have those scenarios where we are you know more of the the tactical like we were talking about before we're not making headway on certain things so then we have to reevaluate and be self-aware to pivot and make those changes and reach out for help but then also knowing when to walk away uh i think we've kind of 
referenced that a little bit, but I don't know if you all have some advice on that for our folks. We had some discussion on it in our previous in our previous chat, um, but I wonder if you have any advice. Yeah, I can I can start. So we talked about legal is the floor, right? <laughs> legal is the floor, and I, I think uh, so. So if there's illegality or anything else that could damage your personal reputation as an HR professional, because that's the thing you take with you, then be be careful, be mindful, manage that. Um, I think that, listen, I have a personal philosophy that work is what we do to feed our lives, right? Work feeds our life. And if my work is taking from me more than it is giving to me, it might be time for me to move on. It might be time to move on. I, that's just my, that's all, if it is, if I get up and I swear to you, I know we all have the Sunday scaries, right? Or we did. I, I have them a little less now these days, uh, which I'm grateful for. But I remember walking into, I remember I worked at a job and I got off the train and the moment we stepped foot off the train, I started to cry. Just at the thought of walking into that office. And I was like, that's it. It's time. time. Right. Yeah. Like no work should let you make you feel that way. It is there to feed your life. That's it. That's my thought. I love this. And then also actions speak louder than words. And so a lot of you see saying I'm giving feedback, I'm giving feedback and nothing is changing. Nothing's going to change. Like, I feel like I'm having this conversation with my girlfriend whose husband's cheating on her. Like if he's cheating, he's never going to change. Right. So stop expecting him to be different. So if you're giving this feedback to your head of HR, your CHRO, your COO, pick your C-suite, like pick which one you like the best. Their behaviors and their patterns tell you everything over their words. And if you don't see that pattern changing and it's not working for you and you feel out of alignment, reach out to this HR Heroes community. Let's help you find something else. Let's make sure, I mean, it's so ironic, right? We are so great at interviewing and hiring other people. And I know for me, I'm not that great at it. I mean, I was, I have a rebound relationship in between every, every operating seat I have, right? And in my, in my last rebound, you know, I said, what is it like? for you to have me as your head of people to the CEO. And he said, well, I just thought you would do more of what I told you to do. And I said, great. Well, how did you hire the wrong person? I'm like, that's awesome. You don't need me, right? So let me walk away. Let's just say we made a mistake, right? And let's put somebody in that has less opinions. Maybe he's more early career learning and wants to take more direction. You want to be more involved. You want to take more direction. And let's figure that out. No judgment, right? No pain, no drama, because we believe in drama-free lives here, right? Let's just call it what it is. Let's be honest and let's exit each other out of this thing. It doesn't have to be this hard, but let's make sure, you know, Lisa, you gave some great advice in the pre-show. You have to be able to walk away. So what do you do to take care of yourself to be able to exit out gracefully? <laughs> Excuse me. Right. So, so I don't remember exactly what I said in the pre-show. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> well, basically, what I heard you say is like, we've got to have savings, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, actually, that thought popped up as you were talking, right? So, 
sometimes you can, so make a plan. You got to start making a plan, right? Because some of us aren't as privileged to be able to walk away. I did that once where I literally walked into the office. I had a manager leave my office saying something to me that I had said, guys, we cannot do this. And the manager left my office. I opened Word. I typed out a resignation. I printed that out. I walked over to, to, to the office and I was like, hi. The only reason why I was comfortable doing that was because I had savings. I knew that it was going to be okay. I was going to be okay for a couple of months. It is not always easy to do. That is not everybody's situation, right? No. So if you're in a situation where it's going to be hard for you to get out or you need to be able to make a plan, sit down, figure out what that plan is. It might be plan to look for another job and enter another situation right away, Right. That's fine if that's what you're doing. It might be, look, if you want to take in that moment and say, you know what, I don't, I want to make sure I don't end up in this situation again. So I am going to take my time. I am going to take six months. Do that as well. But really, when we save, like money, period, is always going to be powerful. It is going to, having money around, having savings around is always going to help you to make better decisions. It's like, Grandmother used to tell me to always have what they call mad money, right? So when you went on a date, when I went on a date, I could be, I'm like, oh, you know what? Bye. I don't like, this is, you know, nah. Okay. I just have money. I can get home, right? So that's the same, same concept here. It's so true. It's so true. Except now on cell phones, if you're on a bad date, you can just be like, I need a call and tell me that you have a friend emergency and I've got the exit space exactly. left, right? <laughs> Yeah. But it's yeah. so tricky. You've got to have freedom in these roles because we do. We see the dirty underbelly of all the organizations. And oftentimes you see things. And you also give great advice, Lisa, on the pre-call, where if you see something that is illegal or unethical, how you manage that key decision with your own personal brand um, and how you make decisions that way, too. I'd love for you to share with our heroes. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, same situation that day when I walked out of the office, that was an illegal situation. Um, I had said clearly, let's not do this. And to me, I think you have to speak up. You have to explain why this is the problem, right? Sometimes the instinct is to take off, right? I see this, I'm going to run away from it and not, right? So to doubt, assume positive intent and say, why this is a problem and explain if it does not change I think absolutely without a doubt you walk away I don't know that I can give any better advice because your brand this is who you are this unfortunately HR like maybe clergy like pastors and people like that HR is such a job where your, your personality and who you are is wrapped up in the work that you do and your reputation is so critical. It's so important to have that stain is not okay. So you've got to be able to like walk out the door. And that again is hard when you're in this situation. For me, one of the things I did was like, I am not doing this work. And I was clear, I am not doing this piece. It's not happening, Right. That will work in some organizations. That will definitely not work in some others. So you've got to pick, again, pick your battles, understand who you're talking to. But yeah, I, I don't do it. I just don't touch it. Well, yeah, I unless I do something else as well, Anita, because I say a lot of things. 
good. Well, I wanted to add to that because I love that advice of just walk away and knowing what it's going to do to your brand. Because for me, early career, I wish I had somebody like you, Lisa, to, <laughs> to give me advice at the time. I literally had like the book of HR for dummies that I bought from Barnes and Noble. And that's how I got started. I don't know if I've ever told you that either. <laughs> Awesome. I've never heard that before. Hey, it worked. Look at you. You're growing in your career all the time. So I'm a big fan. (laughs) And I've got a great coach. I didn't have a book. Yeah. But, but I, I wish I had that advice then. And and I think I, I followed my intuition at the time, which I'm glad I did, but I, I was, I was the only HR person for this company and the CEO had brought me into an office and said, sign all this paperwork. And I asked, what is it? And he said, well, there's been some decisions that have been made. And if I go to jail, I want to take you down with me. And I immediately responded of, um, no, let me read the documentation and figure out what's going on. Then I figure out there's some unethical things going on. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm leaving super fast now. And I ended up leaving, was able to, again, like I had, I happened to have savings at the time and was able to make that choice and walk away because I wanted to protect my brand. Cause I'm like, I'm not attaching myself to something that I had nothing to do with. And this is a toxic place and I need to be in a place that's supportive. And so I think that's super important. I see people saying like, what? <laughs> Yeah. In the chats. Um, but but like this, sometimes this can happen, but it's knowing when to walk away and walk away when it comes to those types of situations. But yeah. I do think this is the challenge with small HR teams and inexperienced leaders. Like that's why I know it's psychopathic. The chat's hilarious. But this, you know, Lisa, I'm sure you've seen it again, right? Like people do these things, they get scared. They're not sure what they're doing. And these can be some of the challenges of smaller teams and why having a great you know, outside consultant helping you can really be a lifesaver. Yeah, I think that goes back to support, right? Because even if we are able to add to our teams, let's say, listen, you come into an organization and they say, yes, you could get one or two people, right? This is where we go back to outcomes because a lot of times I see companies hire generalists when really a specialist is what you need in that that role in that organization because of what you're trying to achieve. Right. Um, So, again, it's really about thinking critically and thinking strategically about what you're trying to accomplish. Hire the right people. If this is a temporary project, yeah, get 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 support through a consultant. If we're talking about data and being efficient on a day to day basis, listen, find you a system, get Bamboo HR, get you some self-service. Do that because technology, I can I, I find that I can make an easier case to get technology into an organization when I'm a smaller team than I can to get another body, right? And let me tell you why that is. Technology almost always is going to be less expensive than another person, right? And I hate to even use that language. So if the technology costs $15,000 a year, I don't know, throwing numbers out. And well, first of all, you're not hiring anybody for $15,000 a year. I'm going to tell you that right now. That ain't happening. And if you can, don't hire that person. But seriously, but seriously, um, technology is always going to be less less expensive. So, but you, as a professional, have to be committed to the technology, right? And making it work for you because it's not going to be magic. <laughs> You're not going to add bamboo HR and everything magically goes away. You're going to have to put some work into it, and you're going to have to be comfortable. You're going to have to embrace the technology. Um, 
get temporary help. It could be temporarily getting a consultant to get you through a rough period. End of the year is always busy, right? End of your year, whatever, whether that be calendar or fiscal, always very busy, right? Because we're doing a bunch of stuff. We're trying to get bonuses in and whatever else we're doing, right? Get temporary help. Bet you you can make that case as well than a full-time person. Get a consultant. You get a consultant. Hey, I have a consultant around who is really well-versed in compensation, developing compensation plans. It's a one-time job with some, some uh, maintenance over time. When you get that consultant, that expert in, learn from them. Don't have them come in and do the work and disappear. How'd you do that? Show me how you did that. Tell, where did you get that information from? What's that about? Learn from them. Right. I, t- I tend to teach naturally. Right. So I'm not going to go into an organization. I explain here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm doing it. So that's just me naturally. But some consultants are not going to do that. <laughs> right. Learn from them and then reach out. Ha. Use the HR t- heroes team. Sherm has great places for advice. Get advice. Ask someone. There's there's way too many places that we can get support. Way too many avenues for support that we don't have to go it alone, even if we are alone. Well, I think this is all just absolute gold. And I think I'm going to be listening to this podcast several times after this with how much info has been given. Well, Anita, I'd love to hear your thoughts and and the, what what do you think are some of the challenges smaller teams in in HR uh, face? You know, we've talked a lot about them already, but I did see some statistics here that I thought would be interesting. A report on August CEO found that 81% of CEOs also handle HR for their companies. So I think that could be a good thing for us. And then also that 23% of CEOs who handle HR for their companies lost staff because they couldn't match benefits or compensation packages offered by a competitor. So I think those those are interesting where you don't have one point of contact for these things. You have a bunch of people doing the work. They're all doing it as their side hustle, which makes it less excellent. And that's why if we go back to the opening and I want to get into part three before we have to go, you know, the top three mistakes teams make is committing to too much. And I would say the biggest thing that teams need to do is commit to less. Um, I push our team to do this all the time. We've got seven work streams right now. And like, how can we do less? Because we want to deliver with excellence. So those those would be the things that I really push on. Well, let's get into the, what the top mistakes are that we see small HR teams making, Anita. Uh, do you want to dive deeper into that? Yeah, these are the ones that Lisa and I really talked about. Not prioritizing what you can deliver, taking on too much, not clear about what the outcomes are not willing to say no because you have a savior complex, which doesn't allow you to think strategically about the problem that you're solving. What do you think, Lisa? I totally agree. And I mentioned technology, embrace that, right? And recognize that it's not magical that you've got to commit to the technology, right? Understand data as well. Under This is the world we're in. And then we've got AI coming, knocking at our doors. Get into that, right? Don't shy away from it. I still have far too many people that I come across HR professionals who don't want to work in Excel or can just do basic things in Excel. No, Excel is your friend. Love that guy, okay? YouTube has a lot of videos. I learned to do something in five minutes on YouTube that I hadn't done before. It feels hard and it feels daunting, but 
get into technology, use the data. And that is going to help you to speak the language of business, right? And that's probably the biggest mistake we make. We don't speak the language of business, right? We don't do that. And we have to. Got to talk to them the way they are speaking. And let me tell you something. As a woman, just as a tip as a woman, when you can show up in a space and speak the language of men and do so confidently, I'll tell you about the holy shit that tends to happen, <laughs> right? A lot of times that is the biggest and best way to garner the respect. Sometimes you got to do some other things, right? But showing up and speaking like they can and understanding what they're talking about because they underestimate us all the time. You know, it's so it's so great that you said that, Lisa. This is one of my biggest secrets and confessions I have to make is that I don't spend a lot of time with HR people. I spend a lot of time with business owners. And it's that type of mentorship that allows me to be the student of the business. So there's plenty of times where I'll go up to our head of product and technology and be like, explain to me how you build this product. Explain to me what this means. Um, you know, going to the CFO and really making sure that you understand everything in the PL. Um, you know, that what Lisa's sharing with you right now is absolutely gold around how to speak and be a student of the business. That's really the nugget here. That that's the point. Be a, and it's not a male female thing. Let me be clear. I'm just saying sometimes as a woman, that's a place um, that we we can be we can be judged unfairly, <laughs> right? But yes, hundred percent. Speak the language of the business. Help them to understand. And that's about talking to the teams, right? So you understand what they're doing, what they're working on, so you can support them better as well. <laughs> Very true. Well, the, the next section is one I'm really excited that, to dive into. I know that we've already covered a lot of things uh, in best practices, but Lisa, why don't you kick us off with what are the top best practices for HR teams? Like what advice do you generally give to them? Right. So, okay. So to kick off, it's really sort of like the opposite of the mistakes, right? Your best practices are going to build from um, build from your mistakes. So. Technology, talked about that already. Again, make it a part of your process. Every organization that I have gone into without fail, I looked at their technology and more often than not, I have changed it to make it better, to make it work better for me. Um, if I, a lot of companies focus on payroll systems. Well, no, HR is bigger than payroll. So you want to get a system that is going to do more for you. Always make sure that system has self-service. Push some of those things off. You know what? Go in and update your address, <laughs> right? You'll do that. <laughs> um, that helps you to get some time back, right? So that's that's kind of a starting point in terms of technology. Yeah, and I'm happy to weigh in here too because I think it's interesting. Teresa, you in the chat said, I thought this would be different. I thought there'd be more topics on resolving problems, how to handle conflict, retention, training, employee recognition. And so I just want to call that out with what Lisa and I are saying is all of that may be true. And you want to start with what the priorities are of the business. 
So if you go through and you ask the team, hey, what are the three most important things you should be focused on? That's where you want to get buy-in. That's what we just did as a team last week at Bamboo. We went and we said, hey, these are the seven things we're going to focus on for the back half of the year. Do you have feedback on these things? Here's the data that supports the direction. Here's why we want to do these things. And when you ask us for anything else, we will say no, unless you want to drop one of these out. And what we're going to do to do that is, you know, consider using software and HRIS something for these small teams so that you can better address and prioritize and speak to what you're doing. I've really had to grow at this, Lisa. Like I haven't been good at articulating what I'm doing, what I'm not, and then reporting back on those key priorities. That's a yeah. skill set for us to grow as people leaders and to leverage our technology to be able to have those conversations. You know, Lisa, you talked about employee self-service, and then you want to make sure that you're using data as best you can to drive the decisions and priorities that you have. And that is speaking in the language of the business, because I always wish that we would focus HR and people practices like we do go to market. We know what our customer proposition is. What is our employee value proposition? We know why people stay with our product. We know why people stay and work at our companies, right? Use that same process and analysis that speaking in the language of the business, being able to prioritize in a way that makes the difference for our small teams. Is, oh yeah, Lisa, do you have any final comments on that or thoughts? No, not really. I mean, I think we've talked about all of it, right? I'm just curious, you know, that comment about the actual tips and tricks, though, of conflict management, those kinds of things that happen in organizations. I just want to reiterate what Anita said and maybe say it slightly different. When you are able to do that stuff at that high level, a lot of that stuff doesn't happen. The conflict doesn't exist because you're operating at a higher level. Right. So you're able to stop problems before they start. So you're not having to be mired in the day to day and the technical, you know, that tactical stuff. So I think sometimes we we are focused on where we are. We're myopic about where we are today. But sometimes we've got to pull back, pull up. And. Focus there because that really helps to soften some of that day-to-day stuff. It makes some of that stuff go away when we pull back. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all that advice. I know that we're we're wanting to wrap up here pretty soon. So Anita, do you want to take us through the three takeaways we'd love for everybody to have? Yes. Just super grateful, Lisa, for your insight. You know, you talked about being focused on outcomes versus output, right? So working, you know, smart, not just hard, I think is something that's super, super thoughtful. And then how you leverage technology to be able to do that. You know, being a really strong leader yourself, right? Be the leader that you want other leaders to be is super important. You know, Lisa uses this term, which I love, stepping into your power and recognizing your impact on the business. And look, you have to take care of yourself. Lisa and I talked about this a lot in the pre-show. We can't take care of others if we don't take care of ourselves in this job. It's increasingly, increasingly important. Lisa, thank you for all you've done for HR Heroes. We're so grateful for your wisdom and everything you've done to share on this call. Any closing thoughts from you before I close it out? You know what? Thank you guys so much for having me. I really, again, my biggest thing is you have power own it, understand what it is, step into it, live it, breathe it. It's yours. You're responsible for yourself. 
So thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back at the same time on August 8th for the next episode where we're going to be discussing, I'm really excited about this topic, HR and the future of AI and what it means for HR leaders. It's been all over LinkedIn. We're going to bring it to you here on HRU. So we invite you to visit hrunplugged.com where you can sign in and subscribe to our series. Please leave us feedback on what you want to hear more and less of and make sure you subscribe in your favorite on-demand format and please leave us a review. So please go ahead and stay on for a short survey so we can customize our content to what your needs are. And thank you, heroes. You're doing great work out there. We know it's not easy. Lisa and Vanessa and I are here cheering for you and grateful for all the work that you're doing out there. Have a super afternoon or evening, depending on where the world you are. Super grateful. Have a super day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambi HR. Visit us at bambooHR.com slash HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 